regular podcast listeners will know that I have frequently um, agitated about the Reduce Shakespeare Company's position in our industry. Are we a theater group? Yes. Are we a comedy team? Kind of. Sometimes it feels like it falls between two stools. But my friend Liz Allen has has now made it clear to me that within the world of comedy, there are subsequent subdivisions. And uh, she's here to tell us about that. So Liz, I guess I, I was going to introduce you and say, Liz, you are a but I understand that that's actually the point of your story, isn't it? A little bit, it sure is. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 673, Stand-Up versus Improv. Allen is an improviser and teacher who, among other things, coached the improv team in Mike Birbiglia's film Don't Think Twice. She recently told a story at my wife Dee Ryan's monthly spoken word evening Louder Than a Mom about a trip to the Mayo Clinic, which became an existential identity crisis. And it spoke to me so much, I asked Liz to share her story again on the podcast and talk to me about the issues and feelings it raised. I am officially an improviser, so I would introduce myself as that, as an improv coach, teacher. Okay. Uh, but that's a great uh, description that within this world, there are even other uh, sub, you know, sub-world, there are other delineations. So in 2009, I was living in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I had felt terrible for years and decided I was going to take myself to the Mayo Clinic in Phoenix to find out what was wrong with me because I couldn't... Other than the fact that you were living in Las Vegas, that wasn't the first sign? Oh, I was trying to get that diagnosed every day. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I just felt bad after I had my baby. I just I gained weight and I couldn't get rid of it, and I'd gone to lots of doctors, and then we got different insurance. And the Mayo Clinic, that has this great reputation, they have a, a, a um, compound in... Uh, which sounds like a cult, but it is, yeah. in Scottsdale. So I made an appointment just to randomly go there and say, you know, I just haven't felt well for years. Is there something wrong with me? Not knowing I would get this diagnosis on the very same day I went there, which is I had stage four thyroid cancer. Holy moly. I know. It was uh, a shock. I was not expecting that, but it was diagnosed so quickly, which, as a side note, really bothered me. Because I mean, I was glad I got the diagnosis and obviously bothered I got cancer, but I'd gone to so many doctors, experts. Nobody had found anything wrong with me. Oh, I needed therapy. I should exercise more. You know, stop eating raisins. Just absurd, absurd things. And because why? Oh, here's just another crazy lady who is, a, is depressed or something. No, but that's interesting that you ask why. I've looked yeah, back why? and thought, because I'm too cheerful in the doctor's office. Oh. Because I'm an improviser, right? I say yes. I say hi. Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah. I think I have a pleasant personality. And I think they were like, she's fine. She's just heavy. Get over it. So they diagnosed me in one day, and they say, we want to do the surgery right away. And I say, well, I need to go home and set my affairs up, get my kid some uh, help, and get my husband some help. He had a job. So 11 days later, I'm at the Mayo Clinic to have my uh, thyroid cancer surgery. That morning, around 6 a.m., I go in to register for the surgery, and I go up to their little uh, registry counter where every new new surgery patient enters and the lady says I'll ask you some questions get some information what do you do for a living and I say well I coach improv I'm an improviser and an improv teacher she gives me this blank stare <laughs> scrolls through her computer a little and says okay so you're a stand-up comedian 
And I go, well, actually, I'm. I'll, here's what I do. I go on stage with similarly trained people. We take a suggestion from the audience. What I do is help create a cohesive piece of theater that is uh, poignant, memorable, and incidentally funny. And she stares at me and says, okay, how about radio personality? <laughs> And then I say to her, um, mm, let's just stick with stand-up, then that's close enough. I'm starting to get anxious. I'm about to have cancer surgery. And also, why do I care so much what I do for a living and what they think? Well, you're coming in for a health issue, and now you're having an existential identity crisis. That's exactly right. I, that's exactly right. And I was also going to say to her, well, who knows what I'm going to do after the surgery, right? <laughs> like, I had so many thoughts in my mind, but it's so funny to me that I did take that moment and go, no, 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 hold on. I don't really, I don't want to put myself in that category of being a joke writer because I'm not good at it. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I have a lot of great friends that are stand-ups and I I'm just so not that I don't go home and write in a small room and then create brilliance I need other people to collaborate with right and And you don't perform on stage by yourself hardly ever right never in fact and and it was frustrating to me because I wanted to say to this sweet lady like let me tell you what I've built my whole life upon which is a collaboration on stage so they put stand-up comedian I think who cares that's it the last I've heard of it well The next three days when I'm there for my surgery, all goes well. Every medical person that entered my room, doctor, nurse, the person delivering the meals was like, hey, what's happening? You got a good joke for me? I could use a good joke today. Oh, I see your stand-up. Oh, we haven't had a stand-up in a long time. And I love, and the listeners can't see you, but you're doing the kind of, everybody comes into the room and and gives you both fingers like they're they're Mm -hmm. pistols. Hey, what you you got for me? Shoot me some funny comedy here at the Mayo (laughs) Clinic. And so at first, oh, this just is, when I look back on this, I'm not embarrassed, but I'm not surprised that I said, no, actually, what I do is I take a suggestion from the audience and I create a cohesive piece of theater that I hope is poignant, memorable, and incidentally funny, and I need my friends to do it with. And they just stare at me so disappointed. They're like, oh, we really thought she was a stand-up. So then I finally just started saying to people, I'm kind of tired. And then they're like, oh, that's fine. You can be funny later. Okay, so I have my surgery. Three days after my surgery, I get this very odd complication called hypocalcemia. I still have it. Of all the post-cancer complications, I'm fine with it, but it makes you tired, irritable, grumpy, Um, And when I first got it and my calcium plummeted, they rushed me into the hospital. I was checking out, and they said, no, you have to recheck back in, and they gave me an IV of calcium. I know. It was actually, it's a quite scary event. So one of the things about hypocalcemia is it keeps you awake when you're low calcium. So I was wide awake for like 24 hours that night. And administering liquid calcium is a big deal. Only the head nurse can do it at Mayo Clinic. You have to have this special rate-limiting valve so it doesn't go into your body too quickly. So I'm also nervous. I'm wide awake. They send my husband and son over to this hotel that I can see out my room. And it is the longest night of my life, and for the nurses as well. There's an epileptic patient on the floor that's having seizures like every 20 minutes and this huge alarm goes off the woman in the room next to me has an oxygen issue another alarm goes off so all night is this calcium dripping into my body i'm watching these dedicated nurses and doctors it's amazing what they do right yeah it's amazing and they're running up and down the hall serving all these people and every now and then she come in and check on me Mm -hmm. and So as the sun is coming up over the mountain, I've been watching these people have this insane night. I've had an emotionally draining night. Low calcium is curable, but it's serious. And I knew it was serious because my doctor quit saying, hey, how you doing? Like he just started coming in somberly throughout the night. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh. So the head nurse comes in around sunrise to check on me, and she's exhausted. And this is just a regular night of her job. 
This isn't some special night. This is what this woman does every day. And so she comes in and she says sort of wearily, Oof, I really could use a joke right now. What a night. Huh. And then I think, all right, Liz, don't be a jerk. The whole point of being an improviser is we say yes. We're supposed to say yes to situations. We're supposed to embrace what's going around her. And I think, can't you come up with a joke for this woman? She's <laughs> she's working her ass off, Liz. You're just, she's you're, saving lives, for God's sakes. <laughs> like, you're an improviser. It's kind of close on the category line. Come on, goddamn joke. Jesus. So I make up a joke spontaneously, and it's this joke. Hey, uh, I do have a joke for you. And she's like, what? She perks up, and I say, where do thyroids vacation? And she thinks about it for a minute. She says, I don't know. And I go, the Gland Canyon. Oh! Ah! <laughs> and local reference. That's what made it so strong. Well, two things, actually. It was topical. I was having endocrine surgery. And it's local reference. <laughs> and you know what I loved about it? This nurse laughed so hard. Oh, it was an enriching laugh that I got. It was a real laugh. I was like, I got a real laugh off a of first improvised joke. Comedy with a purpose. Comedy? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Comedy with a purpose. So then that joke gets around the floor. Oh. And other people are coming in like the Glen Canyon. That's funny. <laughs> and so um, I started to think maybe I am a comedian. So I wrote another joke laying there in bed because the, gl- okay, bear with me, people. The gland that uptakes calcium is called your parathyroid, P-A-R-A. It's at the base of your thyroid. And for years they didn't know what it was. In fact, they didn't know what the parathyroid did. Until after we put people on the moon. Oh, God. So we have people on the moon. We still have this gland in our body. Now, I don't know what it does. It's there next to the thyroid. So it's called the parathyroid. So my joke is, how many thyroids does it take to screw in a light bulb? And the answer is none. Get the parathyroids to do it because they do the real fire track work around here. (laughs) (laughs) This is David Keckner. You're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Well done. Where can you RSC the RSC? You can see Reduced Shakespeare in your own home by owning your very own copy of Pop-Up Shakespeare, written by me and Reed Martin and beautifully illustrated by Jenny Mazels. It's on sale worldwide, and you can find links to both Amazon and independent bookstores in the U.S. and the U.K. on our website. Our fall of 2019 tour of the complete works of William Shakespeare Abridged Revised continues this weekend in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and then continues on with performances in East Lansing, Michigan in two weeks on November 20th and 21st, and in Branch. New Jersey on the 23rd. We'll also perform the Ultimate Christmas Show Abridged on December 14th in Pontiac, Michigan, and on three nights from December 20th to the 22nd in Phoenix, Arizona. And we'll perform the international premiere of Hamlet's Big Adventure, a prequel, in three weeks as part of the London and Tel Aviv Festival in Israel, with performances in Jerusalem, Haifa, and two performances in Tel Aviv from November 26th to the 30th. As always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for the Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe and check out our touring page for specific box office, venue, and ticket information. Now back to my conversation with Liz Allen, who's about to finish her story about her adventures at the Mayo Clinic and then talk about what it was like to work on Mike Birbiglia's wonderful movie about an improv team, Don't Think Twice. So I lay there and realized... You know, maybe I am a little bit of a stand-up. And if I am a stand-up, I know I'm going to kill on the endocrine circuit. (laughs) (laughs) Good to have a niche. Good to have a niche. So now, that was 10 years ago. 
Mayo Clinic still to this day thinks I'm a stand-up. The well, and and and, and uh, not to yeah. get ahead of ourselves, but spoiler alert: y- you survived. Spoiler alert! Thank God I did. Yeah. I've had th- ten clear years. I'm going back in November for my ten-year checkup. The cancer surgery was great. I got that weirdo 1% of neck surgery people get this low calcium issue. According to my doctor, I'm managing it beautifully, and I'm very lucky. Mayo Clinic's never corrected what I do for a living, and I've never corrected them. So every year I've gone back, I still get, and I've tried to have a new joke every now and then. Sidebar, when I did take the radiation after the surgery, I had to take a big, giant pill of radiation. The doctor came in, the radiologist, and he goes, you know, you have a face for comedy. And I'm thinking, maybe this is more my destiny. (laughs) Maybe this is where I belong. So I'm going this November for my 10-year checkup, and here's the joke I'm going to bring because I bring a new endocrine joke every year. This year my joke is, in the endocrine fantasy football league, which player has the strongest arm? And the answer is Pituitary Bradshaw. Thank you. Thank you. So not You're going to kill at the Mayo Clinic. I'm going to kill at the Mayo Clinic, which actually, I love killing at the Mayo Clinic, which is a terrible sentence, because they work so hard, those people. Right, they're yeah, just, yeah. they're angels on earth. Yeah. I'm a, and I didn't intend, I didn't set out, like, I'm going to go to the Mayo Clinic to get cured. It all worked out, and my doctor keeps saying, why don't you find another doctor that lives locally? And I'm like, no, no, you get my business forever, because you diagnosed me in a day and cured me. And and I learned I have a other career option. <laughs> what I love about that is that you, you found you you found other what avenues for your talent. And I some, sometimes I go uh, uh, you know people say oh you're a comedian and I you know so there's so the distinction of what the Purdue Shakespeare Company does and then there's the distinction of what I do and I'm like a, I feel like I'm a playwright who writes jokes and sometimes That's in the joke you know I, I I don't feel like I'm a joke I'm certainly not a stand-up writer uh, a stand-up performer and I even I realize you just said I'm certainly not a joke and I would say Austin you are not a joke you are not a joke I think what you meant to say was I'm not a joke writer that, oh, fair enough that yeah. could that could hopefully I'm not either right yeah <laughs> exactly no exactly uh, no but I but I feel, but I've never felt like I'm a comedian I feel like I'm an actor know. playing a comedian okay I don't feel like I'm a comedian at all yeah. And in my other life as an engineer, everyone was always like, oh, you're funny, you're funny. And I'm thinking, no, I'm not. All I am is exasperated <laughs> like with my life. Uh, I don't think I'm funny. And what I loved about improv, especially in Dell's class, was he would get so mad if we were trying to be funny. Yeah. You know all this. They, yeah. Don't be funny, don't be funny. So then for someone to say you're stand-up, I'm like, why, I've tried very hard to avoid a comedic element. But then let's just be honest. Improv is about entertainment. Yeah. You don't put butts in seats if you say we're going to have a poignant theater experience. You can fill a theater on a Saturday night at 10 o'clock if you say improv comedy. So maybe, I'm just thinking of this now, (laughs) maybe a little bit my lesson was get over yourself. Mm. Mm. That never hurts, that lesson. As you're staring at the sunrise over the desert. Exactly. Yeah. Yep, that's the truth. That is the truth. Yeah. How did your most, uh, other than wowing them at the Mayo Clinic, the, your, your most famous credit that I'm aware of is that you did the improv coaching for Mike Birbiglia's movie, Don't Think Twice, which I just finally saw. And really the improv in that, it really feels like genuine improv, not like scripted improv, that, like you wrote down, for, that somebody wrote down for a movie script and then they performed. And I loved how it was shot with the handhelds. Um, how did... 
how how did your evolving identity as a performer, as a stand-up, and now <laughs> and as a coach mm-hmm. impact that that work? Well, that's uh, boy, that's sweet. That's a great question. Um, well, you know, uh, when Mike Mike and I knew each other a million years ago, I coached him at Georgetown. Completely coincidentally, from I.O., they'd hired I, my team, Frank Booth, to come out. And then years later, we reconnected through our common friend, Tammy Sager. And so he asked if I would just read the script. And it was so beautiful because it wasn't trying to be funny. No, it really wasn't. It was not. I read it and I thought, oh, no, I hope this guy doesn't joke out about what improv is. And then it was made me cry on paper because it captured that misery of being an improviser. I always say, like, sure, go into that career. In fact, I told Lady Mayo, you can be an improviser, too, if you want to be miserable and make no money. And yet. It's the most fulfilling thing I've ever done in my life. So the evolution was I was performing and then teaching, and then we reconnected over years. And I actually love coaching as much, if not more, than performing. It's definitely, it's definitely what fills my heart all the time, all the time. Well, see, that's the thing, too, uh, and not to get too grandiose about what we do, uh-huh. because we can only do what we do. This is what we are called to do. And I do think, not that we're saving lives, but I do think that there is a spiritual element to what we're doing that we, you know, if you lighten somebody's spirit, you're doing good work. I couldn't agree more. Okay, so now, speaking of Mike Berbigley, I have to tell you, he has this joke in uh, one of his specials, and I'm sorry I can't remember which one, about when he was eating a sandwich on a plane and there were nuts in the sandwich and the lady asked him to please put away the sandwich. There was a child allergic on the plane. And then Mike's whole thing was um, he ended up making a joke about allergies and EpiPens. And then this mother and her child or younger teen showed up at one of his shows and asked him to sign his EpiPens. And the mother said, thank you. You have lightened the burden of my son's life-threatening allergy. And Mike said, well, how often have you had to use the EpiPen? And she's like, oh, seven times. And Mike's thinking, my God, seven times she's been on the brink of disaster with her child's life. And Mike said, if my joke about nuts and allergies and EpiPens helped lighten their experience, then that's a good thing. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Send us your endocrine jokes via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can find us and interact with other fans on our dedicated podcast page on Facebook at RSC Podcast, on Instagram at Reduced Shakespeare Company, or on my preferred platform on Twitter at Reduced. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin Titchener. Thanks, as always, to Gland Poobah Matthew Croak. Web services by Ginger Power Limited. Music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Andy Robson. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to improviser, actor, and now stand-up, the man cannot be contained, David Keckner. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. I'm Austin Titchener, 673 2019s of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Too little calcium, you will die. Okay. And then if you get too much calcium, it will make your heart beat too fast and your brain will go into seizure. So there's this narrow bandwidth. Calcium is kind of runs the show, but whoever thinks about calcium? Right. So now to live, thankfully, I take about 12 to 15 calcium pills a day. I have to have it available in my stomach where my body can't go get it out of my bones. 
Okay. And I live fine. Like, I'm just tired and grumpy. But I think I was tired and grumpy anyway. That's so funny because in, in all the times I've seen you and hung out with you, I've never seen you once tired and or grumpy. That's very sweet, Austin. I will tell you if, if you if you saw me on a more regular basis, like, and maybe if we met for morning coffee, you'd be like, we don't need to keep meeting for morning coffee. <laughs> <laughs> She's so tired and grumpy. And I'd probably cancel or not show up. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. So much less. So much less. So much less.